Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Live from the basement of Death Studio, in the sub-basement of the Basement of Death Brewhouse, a subsidiary of the Basement of Death, it is Playing and Slaying, episode 42. Tonight's episode, we are going to do the usual banter, playing hobby goals for charity, and uh, other fun stuff, like, you know, a Kickstarter list that reads like... uh, an entire volume of an encyclopedia, <laughs> um, some some other purchase and reading and, and whatnot. And then uh, we couldn't get uh, Steve Herner, mainly because I didn't think <laughs> to ask him, uh, but we should. That should be a, a Holy Wars episode no. sometime for how much we talk about the holy events that Herner puts on. But we've got the next best thing. We've got a Holy Wars recap from the fourth chair, Bryce. And then we're also going to let Bryce do a deep dive into the madness that was the 23-day hobby marathon that we're referring to as the Hobby Ironman or the South Beach Hobby Diet, How to Get an Army Shredded in Less Than 30 Days, <laughs> uh, where he's going to talk about the, the craziness that was his, his incredible army um, that we'll, we'll talk a lot more about how he got there and, and you know what the payoff was. Episode 42, uh, I think I mentioned. 42 is a good number. It's the answer to everything. It is. Uh, it's also Jackie Robinson's jersey number. Mm-hmm. And uh, before the show, we found out it is the year that the Battle of Midway took place, 1942. Yep. Cool. Anybody and see the movie, the new one? 1917? No, the Midway movie. Oh, no. Is it good? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Bryce, the original was it? good. Never even heard of it. This is really great radio. Well, it is. So here's the best part about episode 42. It's the one where we go totally off the rails because it took us 40 (laughs) minutes to, like, get ready to record. It's been 42 days since we last recorded. It's been 42 days since we sat down (laughs) and recorded last. We spent 42 minutes trying to get going here. And I'm going to drink 42 beers and then 42 Ale House is closing. Yeah. And somebody's going to say Warcry 40. Oh, no. That's a different episode. (laughs) I could could try. (laughs) Let's get started with the Warcry right now. Speaking of holy events, uh, Herner put up a poll about a holy war cry weekend. Pretty interesting mm-hmm. stuff on, on Twitter. That that could be the narrative event to end all narrative events. But before we get too deep into the weeds of gaming, let's talk about the importance of when you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. So boys, what are we imbibing tonight? Josh, let's start with you and your fresh haircut. Thank you. Uh, I have a proper porter from Lakefront Brewery. Uh, Lakefront 
out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is dark outside. We drink dark beer when it's dark outside. So I'm drinking a proper porter. So that's the name. It is. Oh, proper I, I, porter. I literally thought you were like asking me before, like, should I drink a proper porter, like a real one? Or I didn't realize that was really the name. Legit name. What yeah, if we did okay. prop betting on porters? Or what if we filmed an episode and there was a proper porter left as a prop? <laughs> Tyson, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I am drinking a Dragon's Milk from New Holland Brewing, the official beer of Adapticon and Anvil 8 Games, um, which I didn't have this weekend when I was at the Adapticon Hotel uh, for a wedding a month early. Did not have a Dragon's Milk. Well, I got some I for was, you. I was gonna, but they didn't have any at the bar, so they better what? fix that. They should. Yeah. Before. Did you tell them to? Did you Death tell them? Yeah. No, I didn't complain. I was pretty intoxicated, <laughs> and I just <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to come off as that guy. Yeah. That was... Yeah. My wife was there too, so I didn't want to get divorced. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, Dragon's Milk. Troy, what are you drinking? Um, right now, I'm drinking something boring, which is our. House cocktail, acai vodka, and uh, Tito's handcrafted monster. vodka. No, it's it's. Oh, you va- didn't do Tito's. No, it's Van Gogh. Oh, I do. Um, see, I do both. But what I found, and I told, I was telling Josh, I'm going to go off my um, what I did find because caffeine and alcohol is a good mix. Um, have you guys tried this Paps Blue Ribbon hard coffee? I have not. I was going to. I'll bring some. Or we'll find it's amazing. Um, doesn't sound like it. It's an abomination in some form, but yeah, um, it it comes in a can. It comes in a can. Oh boy! Oh wow! It's it looks it's like a smaller whatever that would be like a twelve ounce can maybe yeah um, mm-hmm. ten twelve ounce uh, and it uh, it tastes a lot like a milkshake. Uh, it like it's I mean it doesn't have a strong coffee flavor. It's more of a it, it's. I think I drank huh. like three of them when I was uh, gaming. We'll get to later when I was trying to do some stuff. But it was funny what happened is I was actually at, at work at a, at their coffee at Collectivo um, and having they have like an oat milk nitro latte, which is cold. And I, and that also tastes like a milkshake. Like it's amazingly smooth, creamy, and has like the, the nitro gives a sweet. And I was and somebody then's like, oh, if you like that, you should try this. Paps hard coffee and i'm like what are you talking about like hard pass <laughs> right right and, and but i'm at the at the at the bar and, and they had it and i'm like all right i gotta try this and it's a win it it's definitely a win awesome bryce what are you drinking to stay warm up north with your lumberjack ways <laughs> well as we'll talk about later the last uh month has been dedicated to something so i don't have any groceries in my house so i'm just drinking a ginger ale all right, that it's that'll disappointing, pass. Disappointing, I know. Yeah, you should have to take a shot of paint water. <laughs> yeah. I'll second. All right, excellent. Well, I hope that ginger ale helps settle your stomach from the nerves of being on the show and uh, gets gets you through recording by wetting the whistle. All right. So, who's been playing some games? I really haven't much. I mean, maybe since we last recorded. Bryce and I played a game of Crisis Protocol. I supervised that game. Or was that 
before that we talked about that in the last episode yeah it was in between yeah Yeah. that's how long it's been um we're gonna have josh give you all a formal apology later about the delay in recording uh (laughs) schedule but we did sit down and play a game of crisis protocol um just the intro battle um use the old uh three by three forest board that brian nairo uh had had built years ago um and uh Threw some dice, some eight-sided dice with weird symbols, and used some superhero powers, and threw a car, and you know, did some cool stuff. But it was pretty fun. Definitely play that one again. What do you think, Bryce? Crisis Protocol gonna gonna get a few reps? It gets two thumbs up. You guys did some serious work, right? Because you had everybody painted. No, no, you had no, some no, guys no. painted. I thought. I I started to paint. Painted. Yeah, and the Hulk didn't get used. Oh. Um, but we uh, everything got assembled and, and we we started playing. I've and I've kind of put it to the side. I've got a lot built and ready to go. Um, I've just been focusing on on other stuff that we'll get to. But Crisis Protocol is part of my post Adepticon plan. You're not gonna enter a miniature in the painting contest at Adepticon. No, I'm not good. Your enough Hulk for, looks I'm good. I'm not good enough for a contest. Your Hulk looks good. Well, thank you, but. Um, Definitely not to that point yet. No, no golden, silver, bronze demons here. Maybe like a nickel-plated copper demon, um, <laughs> but not not a award-winning painter. Y'all yeah, jump in the copper demon. Sure. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's have the plan and slaying copper demon contest <laughs> at Adepticon. Yeah, and you submit your worst painted model from your army. And then you're judged by a jury of your peers. I like this. Sweet. The Copper Demon. We can't even call it the Copper Demon, though. It's got to be like the Copper, some shitty monster from something that you don't care about. Like a Copper Bugbear. Yeah, Copper. Or the Copper Cobalt. Copper Cobalt. There you go. (laughs) Great great alliteration. All right. uh, Who's been playing the wannabe space hulk game called zombie invader um i've been playing a lot um we've been doing a few uh just practice games and as i got more and more terrain i'm almost done with all the terrain and all painted so we we're playing with painted stuff and just working through some iterations on that so uh it's been fun we've uh, i think we got it kind of tuned up and ready to rock and roll for adepticon so yeah john and ashen come over and we kind of run through it i think we uh we uh, watched the NBA All-Star Game and played Zombicide Invader. That was my my evening. Nice. Very cool. Um, Troy, I think you've been playing a few other games. Yeah, there was this uh, game called Medium, which is a kind of a part. It's a party game that I'm trying to think what company actually does it. Uh, Greater Than Games, maybe? Um, yeah, Greater Than Games. And it's, again, it's one of these super simple kind of games in the, uh, in like the, the, the same theme of like the mind or something else like that. So medium, basically you're guessing you each end up with a card. So you and I would each pull a card with a word on it. Um, we actually show that the words, we lay them down next to each other one at a time. Now the second person can kind of choose. So like you would lay down your word, um, maybe it would be. Um, like castle. Um, and then I can look at my hand of cards. And so I could put something maybe that 
basically kind of related because basically what we want to do is between those two words, we want to come up with the same word together. And so basically you then count down you got a word, you, I have a word. So if you had, you had castle and maybe I play grass or something. Um, and then we're like, Oh, what? Okay. You ready to go? And you go one, two, three. And Carcass I say, <laughs> and, if, and I don't know what I would say, horse or something. Knight. Uh, knight or something, right? Or, Queen. No, well, you only get to guess once. You guess once. And if you get it right, you score. Peasant. Then what? if you get it wrong, if you said Carcassonne and I said, I don't remember when I said horse, then you actually take those two words and you do it again. So we would say Carcassonne and horse and we'd pick an, and we'd take a guess and Farmer. say Space Hulk. <laughs> and maybe we'd say and maybe we'd say farmer right that actually no. might might actually work right farmer and then you'd you, you score a little like the the points would be a little less on that so um it was a lot we played it at work and it and i was like i don't know how this is gonna is this gonna really run people had a blast it's they were it's a lot of fun to watch people play it which you wouldn't think you're like mostly because you're like sometimes words and you're like oh that'd be obvious and they guessed something totally different um and then, but then when it's your turn, like there's a lot of anxiety with the, when you, and you play against both part, both sides. So you actually score with the person on your left and the right. And then the winner basically is whoever ends up with, you take the totals from both sides of you um, to see what's there. So I, I had seen it. It had really good reviews. I think a while ago, like last summer kind of came out, I think before Gen Con uh, and I had picked it up and I got a chance to play it at work and it, 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 for what it is, it, it was fun. People really enjoyed it. Um, I always kind of go like if I get done and the work group is like, oh, we got to play that again. Then I'm like, all right, I got a winner here that we can we can go. So um, in the end, all it is is a deck of cards with a bunch of words on it. Now, now I think they did put some thought into what words like are they? words they are because they do have there are kind of different bunches. There's like eight different decks in there and they tell you to kind of take different decks because they, they must have some little bit of relationship to help make it. A, it's not just random words out of the dictionary, but mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's medium, uh, kind of a, a fun lightweight party game. I I really think that Troy might be the only one playing games other mm-hmm. than uh, Bryce. Bryce, did you? Looks like you might have gotten your army out for one test drive before uh, before Holy Wars. Yeah, I had one very quick practice game, and it was just a thousand point game to just kind of get a quick feel for how the turns went and stuff like that but i wouldn't even call it a practice game it was more of a look at my book for an hour and a half type of game so uh other than that it's just been paint until last weekend all right and uh i've been playing some video games so classic uh playstation 4 store style when a game's been out for a while and a expansion or something new's about to come out They'll put a game down at the two ninety nine. So me and a couple guys have been playing some some games with recently. Um, bought the Division two, so kind of a fun you know over the shoulder third person exploration shooter game, uh, and that's been taking up some time. You know, you play a game like that for more than two hours, and you get your money back on a three dollar mm-hmm. video game purchase. So I've uh, been doing some of the digital digital gaming. I've also been doing some digital gaming uh i was talked into fortnite by some college buddies and it's just stupid fun like it's (laughs) it's it's not you know like matches are like 20 minutes so it's just quick quick dumb fun that's it 
disappointed you do that and you don't play Apex. Very disappointed. I haven't played Apex. Is it good? Yeah, it's great. All right, I'll try it. So I did get an Oculus Rift. Whoa. What? That I haven't got spent a ton of time with, but it is pretty cool. Like just, and I've only done like Beat Saber kind of fun stuff, but then there's like the virtual world, like there's a virtual house and you walk around and the whole 3D kind of virtual reality thing is um, interesting, really fun. Have you got like a treadmill and haptic gloves? And like- uh, No, you have the little hand controllers, which is, it's amazing though, like in the VR, like you kind of forget that you just have the controllers because they're just your like your hands and you can point at stuff and it kind of knows where your fingers are. Um, it, it's freaky um, and you can spend a lot of time. In the- <laughs> I really want to do like my next thing is I, I've got it because I want to do sim racing again. And I'm like, and I was like, oh, do I get like a big monitor setup? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, like VR headset would be awesome. Um, and then I'm like, and there's all this other fun stuff to kind of do. So, um, so I've been trying, again, trying not with hobby stuff. I'm trying not to let that eat too much. So I've kind of left it on the side, not too much. Sarah probably plays it more than I do. Cause she's kind of, she'll be like, it's actually, she'll be like, can we play, uh, the, whatever she calls it, the goggles, goggles. That's what she calls it. Nice. So, um, some more to come on there. Maybe we'll do some virtual RPGing or something. That'll be the next, uh, <laughs> And then uh, our D and D campaign. Are, well, are we re- are we ready for that? I thought we had one more game before we do the oh, do we the D and D update? Um, so last Friday, <laughs> I got the co op crew together. The, not the, the coop, coop crew, coop crew. Yeah, and Josh isn't in it for some reason, but I don't know why. Um, <laughs> because of you, you don't like. But you know who is in it? Neil from work. Oh, Neil from work is yep. in it. Yep. Neil from work. Neil from work. We we got through. We played the last number ten expansion to Time Stories. Can you talk about it at all? <laughs> I think um, I shouldn't. I maybe I can. I mean, that's the first. So that's the wrap on season one, the first version. How I did guess. it feel? Uh, it was good. It was it was fun to get through the end. It was definitely at times that like a good Time Stories things. At one point, we're just completely frustrated because we're like, what the hell are we supposed to do next? Um, but then you kind of become when you're like that and then you do actually kind of solve the next thing, then you kind of get that whole, uh, you know, high five, high five kind of thing. So, and if you did, so if you didn't feel so frustrated, you wouldn't feel as good. So it's kind of this funny kind of loop up, up and down. Um, and we actually played at 42 ale house, which is the gaming cafe down in whatever, South Milwaukee. Sad. Uh, and that's actually was actually closing up. We actually re- didn't realize they were going on. We were looking and like, oh, this is they're actually closing because they're uh, they didn't lose their lease, but I think they decided not to re- renew their lease at the end of the month. Uh, and so they were we were there on uh, Friday night. I kind we kind of felt bad because we sat on the table for like five or six hours, and it was, they were just packed with everybody kind of coming in to say their last uh, goodbyes to that place. Um, so it was it was kind of a both where we got to finish up time stories and we kind of set our closed uh, the ale house up uh, and had uh, we had because we played a lot of the I don't know how many of the ten we ended up playing on that really on that table in the, <laughs> in the restaurant so it was an interesting kind of dynamic to kind of have both things kind of come to an end and uh, it would I think I made I don't I don't want to spoil too much but I think I maybe I'll write up an article or something because kind of maybe ranking the 
the different adventures and a little bit of the uh the fun part too was there is I've, I've talked about it the meta game around all the expansion how they did have some arcs and stuff that you you discovered little there were little clues in each one of the adventures that actually all tied together to an, an overall puzzle and so being able to actually play you know play through all 10 uh was was that was a kind of a, a, a cool payoff on some of that so did you ever find out what rosebud was no it's in a mm-hmm. sled oh spoilers oh man Unreal. citizen kane is in that like isn't, <laughs> isn't it isn't it past the <laughs> expiration date on that one probably but i'm glad you got it <laughs> bryce did you get it no <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Now that I've had time to rest my voice, let's dive (laughs) in to tonight's Dungeons & Dragons multi-campaign recap brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. So, yeah, it's been a hot minute, uh, 42 days since we last recorded. There's been a lot of D&D. I don't even know what to do. I mean, with two campaigns and people playing in different ones... Like, how do you provide a recap? Um, in Descent into Avernus, you guys went to hell. You <laughs> met a uh, an otter that was a wizard. Um, Holophante. The, the Holophant, uh, Lulu. Some craziness uh, as you saved a group of refugees from um, certain disaster and doom in the ruined city of El Terrell that had crashed into Avernus. Uh, you made it to the High Hall Cathedral and battled some some devils. Um, found the survivors in the in the crypts, and then found out that uh, Alder Ravengard, the the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate, that was in Elturel, went to the cemetery with a group of men to combat uh, the uprising undead, and that is where you guys made your way to, um, and saw the the purple light emanating from the the crypt at the uh, at the cemetery is hundreds of undead wandered about uh, and you were ready to to dive in i don't know if i missed anything or if that was i think you got summary. it that was pretty good i was looking at my notes i actually have notes but um so descent into avernus is, is going well we're making some good progress there uh we've we i think it's worth noting that i've uh adapted a, a new way to remember inspiration so before the session i ask um kind of a background question about character be it you know value system or who raised you or you know who's an enemy or a number of different questions and i i hope it's doing the the thing that makes you guys think a little bit about your character and, and some of that context of where they fit into the world and the story and then it reminds me that inspiration is a mechanic in fifth edition um, <laughs> rather than <laughs> just being a throw-in. Uh, so, yeah, at least start each session with a chance to have inspiration. Because I feel like we've been needing the inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys have had some abysmal dice rolling. Um, And then I'm doing uh, The Sundering, which is kind of my homebrew campaign. Uh, things are starting to come to a head with... Um, finding this uh, this abyssal gate and having some inter-party drama where <laughs> one may take uh, take a, a demonic route with their patron, a, a fiend, um, and then the, the cleric starting to sense the 
you know, the abyssal uh, influence um, and a necromancer that hasn't raised the dead yet, but is a good hearted guy, uh, but he doesn't have a soul. Um, there's just a lot going on. And you guys recently uh, had a party with the Fae that everyone survived for the most part intact um, and got teleported to the edge of the ruins of this, uh, this once great city where you then climbed into the depths and Siegfried, the, the gnome mage, has come face to face with some people from his past who are currently specters and a wraith deep within the, the bowels of this dungeon. So, sounds like it could be fun. I don't know. It is. <laughs> it is fun. Any Anything yeah. in either of those updates that I, I missed, Josh, Bryce, or Troy? Oh, I well, I'm not in the other campaign, so I can't. But it it there's things that in there that for some reason uh, I pictured this weird, twisted Wizard of Oz scenario. I don't know mm. why. I think it's the you talked about the soulless guy who I thought was the scarecrow or something, and you guys went to some city and whatever. So I don't know. I just had a weird. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it, it's the mind to tie. So anything could happen. Oh. Are there flying monkeys? Are there flying monkeys? There are. Yeah. What's yeah. What's been fun is. I'm kind of seeing what threads people grab onto and and pull and then developing that aspect of the world or that bit, you know? So like, I've got a lot of content that's like, I have maybe three bullet points for like what it is. And then when they go there, I have to like expand it and deepen it. So like, I didn't plan on them going with the, the satyr that took them to this fate party. Um, but I had the names of a few Fey in like the realm, so I had to kind of improv like a whole night with the Fey um, from like three bullet points. So that's pretty know. good yeah. because I, I I thought you had that mostly fleshed out. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, no, I had that's awesome. I had Nevin the Lorekeeper. I had that there was that treetop village where the party happened twice, you know, like mm-hmm. twice a week. Um, and then some of the lore that Tom found way ahead of when I thought he would. Because um, I did a mini session with just Tom where his character had found this relic of the past and stepped through a gate, leaving the party at the end of the last session. Um, and his character was presented with a chance to truly leave the campaign. Like, he could have chosen to stay and remain in this orchard with this ancient, like, creator, deity type thing. But he chose to come back and, like how that interaction happened was, you know, like 45 minutes of just one-on-one play, uh, which was, which was pretty fun as well. So there's been some good stuff there. Um, tried to get a buddy of ours, Matt Danner involved a little bit as an NPC, but he's, his scheduling has just kind of turned to a mess as it usually does. So he's been hit or hit or miss for if he can make it, but hoping to get some other guys like, like Troy and, um, amongst others in, involved at some time as, you know, a couple weeks at a time as a, a guest NPC. All right. Bryce, I'm, I haven't killed a character in 42 days of yours, though, so that's, that's kind of a step true. in the right direction. <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I think when so. You, yeah. Yeah. I killed you, you just before. just killed me in the last yeah. one. Huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yep, not pulling punches anymore. <laughs> <laughs> at least on Bryce. All right, so that is tonight's multiple campaign Dungeons and Dragons update brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. Check him out on Twitch TV at Mr. Meph on Twitter, 
and enjoy all of his content with AOS Rankcast like Bryce was on last night. This message also brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I should do like like copy for yeah, voiceover mm-hmm. work yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So last time, if you remember, we introduced a new hobby thing where we set a hobby goal uh, and then we discuss where we what we got done. So tonight we're going to talk about what our um, hobby project or goal was, uh, our accountability, so how we maintained progress, what we did, and then set a new goal um, or talk about if anyone failed or you know did something to delay the recording of the show to 42 days so that they would have time to finish what their task was, how they also still have to pay into the charity yep. fund. Um, but first, Bryce, since you weren't able to set a hobby goal, um, I'd like you to talk about what you got done for um, for the last uh, month or so. Well, it started as what my hobby goal would have been was to build and prime the Crisis Protocol, and I got that all built the terrain all built and then i was on a rant cast and i made this weird weird decision to challenge kyle knapp to a grudge and under the stipulation that he had to play 10 morgast and if he did that i would then paint one of the armies sitting in my closet um that had zero paint on it so in in the 23 days i painted 2220 points worth of models as well as built a display board. <laughs> so we will we'll talk about that at length when we get into the hobby Ironman South Beach hobby diet. Um, but for now, quite the accomplishment. So we will consider your goal from the last episode met, and you will not have yeah. to pay into yeah. the the charity fund of, of choice. Troy, how about you? So um, my hobby goal, I think, was to get my sylvaneth all done and ready for paca uh which was uh spite revs and i think another uh another three hunters and the arch revenant new model that was out uh and i did i got the, all that done and then between weather illness other stuff i actually ended up not going to paca which was kind of sad um, although I didn't, yeah, I know I didn't regret my decision on that day when, cause we did get hammered with snow and looking at some of the other adventures that people had trying to travel up there. It, I, I, I didn't feel too bad about that part of it. I was sad that I didn't get to go and hang out with Bryce and, 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 and throw my little models around that I had spent all this energy on. Um, so I was, but I'm, I'm happy with them. They're all set and ready to go. Um, so I did it. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the payoff with actually to play with them. But. <laughs> All right. So you? you you will not have to pay pay in to uh, the the fund. Um, did you do some other other hobby on the side when, once you got uh, that stuff done? I've been doing yeah, and then I've been diving back into Adepticon prep, which is mostly it's been. Uh, the zombicide, zombicide terrain and all the minis. Uh, so I printed almost all. Actually, I have painted all the base set for Zombicide Invader, plus um, all the 3D printed terrain I have. Um, I still have a little bit of uh, detail touch-up stuff I have to do. Uh, and my little, I have a little, and I 3D printed a little vehicle um, that I need to kind of finish painting on him too. But he's got paint on him. He just needs, most of it's just detail work on some of that. So 
Uh, so that's been a ton. Yeah. So actually I've been, and I still have a few extras and a few character models to do on that. But, um, and mostly I've been using a lot of contrast paint for that. I've been, I call it the contrast paint experiment because I've been just trying to get a feel for like, okay, which of the contrast paints really kind of work and do what you want them to do. And, um, and all those models have a lot of texture on them. So it makes it pretty easy to, if I find a good recipe, then it, then you can crank out a whole bunch. Um, sometimes I spend a little bit too much energy trying to figure out the recipe of what I really want stuff to look at, but, um, but that's been keeping me busy and I still have some stuff to do, um, before I switch over to, I do have to dust off some of the space Hulk stuff and do some of that, but maybe we'll talk about that for what our next yeah. goal will be. Yeah, definitely. Um, we will do so. So my goal was to build the war chanter in the next three Gorgruntas, uh, and, and gap fill the three I'd built. So I got that done easily. Um, I then built a, in, in, in addition for my Adepticon project, I built a shaman, um, that I'm doing some, uh, some pretty heavy conversion work with, um, in classic Thai fashion, you know, a single character model can't be <laughs> converted with any less than five yep. kits. Um, and a paperclip uh, frame for some actual sculpting mm -hmm. that I'm going to mm -hmm. be doing on it, which is new ground for me. Um, and then I have cut apart a maw crusher and a zombie dragon and smashed them together. Uh, and now I just have the sculpting to do um, green stuff, some muscle tissue and wounds. I've ripped huge holes in it, cut apart the the rib cage from the bridge endless spell mm. to like put it yep. in his exposed side and like cut spine off of something where like his fin back fins are done. So, and then, uh, took like more gassed weapons for the war boss, hacked up the war bosses, like pole arm and put some skulls on his shoulder pad. So I, I kind of went nuts on this maw crusher project. Um, and I'm trying to find a cool way to base it, uh, as well. So, it's been a lot of fun. It's been frightening though, because now I'm like 30 days out, and I've I've got to fight the war with this green stuff sculpting that I'm I'm really pushing myself because I've never done much more than fill a gap or make a leather strap or you know, um, I've done some significant conversion like kit bash in the past, but this is the first time I've really had to, you know, do more than a, a tiny little speck of green stuff to fill a hole. So a little nervous. And I, I went over into extra goals, but not what my specific goal is. So I hit what I did. You know, we'll uh, we'll talk about the new goal after that. But Josh, how about you? Did you, with the 42-day delay, uh, have enough time to accomplish your hobby goal from last time? I think so, yeah. So <clears throat> it was print five pieces of terrain and then prime weather permitting. Uh, there was really only like two days to prime and... <clears throat> I was either. That's their excuse. What's that? <laughs> that's that's why we excuse. delayed another yeah. another three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm saying I didn't get the priming done. Uh, there there was really only two good weather days uh, that to to prime, and I wasn't able to do it on those days. So well, Sunday was good. Well, that was one of the days, right? Yeah. You gotta, did you, did you did you buy an airbrush or do you not own one? I I have an airbrush. I don't have a compressor and all the tubing and he all that. He doesn't have a way to blow air through it. Yeah. 
Not yet. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta yep. turn. So that's next. Turn on the exhaust fan in the downstairs bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Just take the spray can in there. You know, no. put plastic sheeting down <laughs> on the floor and just go nuts. And then close the door and leave the fan going. And leave because what I've been doing to prime is I prime in my garage where it's super cold, and then I've got a half bathroom right inside the garage door. So I turn the exhaust yeah. fan on, bring the model in, and let it dry okay. in the bathroom nice. with yep. the fan going. So it doesn't freeze. That's a good yep. idea. So the can of paint and the model are room More. temperature. Take them out, spray quick, come back in, dry indoors. That's smart. Um, well, so I, I printed four buildings for you guys for crisis protocol. I printed a building and a half for myself. And I printed another couple trees, so I definitely printed enough terrain. I just didn't get things primed yet. So next good day, I'll I'll get out there with the spray can. So what is it? Ten bucks will be going into the the charity fund. Oh man, that's fine. That's fine. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll own that because it was my fault for uh, pushing this yeah. out. I don't and know if we want it, to talk about it now. And it's for charity. And it's for charity. It's for charity. So, yeah. You I shouldn't had, feel bad about it. <laughs> so this is Josh's official apology to the community for the delay. We don't actually want Josh to feel bad about it, but we're going to keep giving him shit until he does feel bad about it. Here, here it comes. So, yeah, I had some work-related stuff that kind of pushed this out. I was also sick for, like, three weeks. That It just never went away. And I'm finally feeling better after a couple weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that's partially due to the 42 delay. So 42 day delay, I should say. I love so, that we've said the number 42. I know. And I, I, I'm going to have to go back times. and look and see what the heck it actually close. is. But, yeah. <laughs> close. Mission accomplished. It's like the war cry episode. Yeah. This is fantastic. <laughs> so happy. All right. Let's talk about some new goals for the next show. Cause we're going to have uh, another episode coming between now and Adepticon. So we've got a short window. So it'll be only a couple weeks probably until we are back in the studio recording again for our, um, our Adepticon preview, the biggest plane and slain Adepticon preview ever, because we did Adepticon previews before games workshop started doing mm. oh, Adepticon yeah. previews. I think they got the idea from us. They did. Yeah. They did. Mm-hmm. If you ask the community team, it's because they listen to the show. Mm-hmm. They love what we do and they stole our idea. That checks out. Yeah. Thievery is yeah. the biggest form of flattery, right? Yep. Is that how it goes? Plagiarism is a form of... You're the plagiarizing one. All right. New goal. What are we going to hobby, Bryce? So do we do we know the date yet? I think we said like the 15th or 16th of March. Okay, so yeah. we. Uh, I think... I don't think it's a secret what we're doing, obviously, because you just talked about it. So I am also on Ty's team for Adepticon, and I will be doing a similar, little less ambitious conversion project. Uh, But my goal is to have everything built, primed, and the metal painted by the next episode. Nothing is built, primed, or painted currently, so... That's epic level. So I am going to have my armor painted on my models. I'm going to have my skin on the Oryx done. So there will be priming in store. I have to finish the green stuff to make that happen and then get armor and skin painted. I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to have a $10 uh, charity bill at the uh, (laughs) the episode recording in the middle of March. 
Yeah. A few uh, 12-hour hobby banner sessions, you'll be fine. Yep, yep. Troy, how about you? I am going to have uh, Zombicide Invader all done by next episode, which is about I have about 15, 15 other not in the base set. So basically these are the Kickstarter extra models that I, I want to get done, um, get those painted, uh, and then made my stretch goal. Because <laughs> I said I probably will have them try and have them done by Adepticon. I don't know if I'll have them done by the next episode, but I'll it'll be pretty close. Um, would be to paint up another Terminator squad for Space Hulk. Um, but that's a real stretch, so I may be paying in too. We'll see. Because that, <laughs> that's optional, so I, depending on how much other stuff I have to do, I may that, that may be on the chopping block. All right, Josh. No delays this time. You're, you're, you got a hard date mid-March. What's happening? Yeah, so I, uh, I have some Morn Fangs to finish up for the orcs. More fangs? No, no, no. The are you doing ogre? Ogres, yeah. Cavalry, more yeah, fangs. More fangs, yeah. Arrives. For yeah, some reason right. that that name didn't sound right to me. No, it's this, this it's more fangs. Um, I have four more fangs to finish up. I don't know if I'm actually going to use them though, but I'm going to do them anyway. Um, so I'll do those. I have basing to do, kind of finish up on everything, and then I want to get a good start on my display board. I'm probably not going to have it finished by the next episode, but at least started so are you doing the display board for the the whole well, team i guess that's the other question so I, I i may or may not be doing the display board so i gotta double check with dr dr gabe because oh, okay he's been kind of wrangling this a little bit so if if it's not me then i won't be doing the display board but okay if it is me i gotta get a good start on it by next episode that's a pretty loose goal josh i think we need a <laughs> good start could mean anything I, I want to know. Okay, what, like built. I think if you fail, you have to be far more specific in your next goal to make sure that you're being held accountable. Rough assembly of of the display board. How about that? Glue or glue? no? Glue? Yeah. yeah, glue. It's glued. Glued down. Yeah. Glued down. Glued? Textured. Ready textured. To paint. Sure. Yeah, we'll okay. say ready glued down, textured, ready to paint. All right. So rough construction, textured, ready, ready to, to paint, spray it, and yep. and go. Yep. Yep. I think that's good. Yeah. Look and at Bryce pulling the tie and being a jerk to Josh. That's my job. <laughs> and Bryce is taking over. Oh, that's good. This is keeping me accountable. I'm, I'm good with it. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking Josh could listen to Bryce in the second half of the episode to figure out how to do a display board in a couple days. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Let's let's touch on accountability real quick, though, because one thing that we will talk about, and, and you just alluded to it a little bit, is a big hobby project, how you kind of get there. Um, but I think what, what is important to realize is that as, as a group, we do a pretty good job of, um, you know, making sure that progress is getting posted to the, the Discord, making sure that, you know, if, if we're online hobbying, we're kind of logging in to Discord the chat and keep company. So I think a big part of it is kind of that, that group, um, you know, public accountability, which, which definitely helps, uh, at least helps me. And then another thing I've done um, is I've written down. So I used to, I did my hobby journal when I did my Stormcast. I'm not going to that level right now, but I'm just kind of writing down um, what I want to get done, you know, in the next couple of days. And I'm I'm doing that at work as well as you know, kind of at home. So with hobby, uh, it, it's not quite like a bullet journal, but it's that idea of you kind of write down, you know, at the end of the day what you want to do the next day. 
or, you know, first thing in the morning, what you want to accomplish, stuff like that. And I've started doing that a little bit with um, what I want to get done for, for my hobby. Yeah, and, I, and I'll go a little bit more. I mean, accountability, but I think there's also an element of just support, right? Of just mm-hmm. like having, knowing that being, hang, even if it's just hobby banner, you're hanging out. A little camaraderie. Um, a little camaraderie. And even if you're, you're not on, I think it's just like, hey, I got done with this stuff tonight. I throw a, pa- I throw a picture up on uh, on Hobby Banner and it, and everybody's like, oh, cool. You're, you know, and it, it's just, it's a way to, it, it does create the accountability, but it's just the con- the support of um, kind of sharing where, where people are in their journeys. And, uh, and it, I think it does help. It feeds feeds back so that you have the energy the next night to to then put the next uh, as Bryce puts the next 12 hours in on whatever he's doing. <laughs> All right, so that's hobby. Is that, that hobby? Is hobby. Let's Oh Uh-oh. my god. Uh-oh. I'm going to go take a nap. Uh will you guys do the 3D printer no. segment? Um no, I'm sorry, the Kickstarter segment, which I'm also going to nap through because I am proud to report that I have not kickstarted a Gosh darn thing since we recorded last. That's good. That's good time. All right. Take over, Troy. So this is, um, so my name is Troy, uh, and hi, Troy. And it's been like three days since I spent money on Kickstarter. So I, I do just got to point out that Troy has a like a bandage on his on his arm where it looks like he would have oh, given yeah. blood. I, I think that's actually his Kickstarter line. He's just been mainlining, <laughs> mainlining it. Kickstarter, and he started to get Kickstarter track marks, especially with like coronavirus concerns mm-hmm. in China mm-hmm. for production and distribution. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little worried. Or he had to start giving plasma to fund, <laughs> to his, to fund, fund his stuff. His yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. funny. I didn't even notice that I still had my, uh, <laughs> where I, where I gave, I did give blood. Um, let's just, let's I am just not dive even, in. And I'm got, not even you, a vampire. You've um, got 57 things. All right. You've got so I'm going to run problems, but Kickstarter. I'm going to run through, one. I'm going to run through these really quick. Um, and uh, some of them are actually, I'd like you guys. So the hero for, I did throw in on the hero forge, um, cause these are over too. So they're not that exciting for people. Uh, although a lot of them have late pledge stuff. So I did get in on the Hero Forge colored minis um, uh, deal, um, mostly because you can also get some STL files, and it was fairly cheap. And it was more of like, oh, this will be an interesting experiment to see. Because it will be interesting to see what those miniatures kind of look like. Um, and they actually should be pretty far along. I think they actually deliver on that sometime, maybe end of this year or something like that. So, so that's a Hero Forge one. Uh, Ghost brush was just some some dry brush kind of things on Kickstarter, which I'm probably spending way too much money on something that I could just buy whatever. Best best dry brush I've bought in the last five years. Um, I had Nicole order a set of Elf makeup brushes yep. on Amazon because I didn't even know what like what to get. They were like six dollars and they work incredible. Yeah. I've been using them on all the three D printed terrain I've been painting. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So I I use the same thing. See, I should do that because I think they'll be better than these. So so I, I did that. I just got new ones and they have little unicorn heads on the back of them. They're oh, that's cool. brilliant. Yeah, I was looking through to find the cheapest ones and uh, they're like little <laughs> unicorn makeup like brush. Unicorn, yeah, but they're they're the perfect size. <laughs> so Troy, See? you've been kickstarting <laughs> Ghost Brush. Yeah, I did. And Ghost we've been buying makeup brushes, brushes on Amazon. But this is good. See, this is why you guys. Gave people good. Don't do what I'm doing. Do what these guys are doing. 
Um, then I got in on this. I think Drop Top might still be on. So I don't know if this is ever going to um, actually come to life. These guys made dropper bottle tops for Citadel paint cans. Have you seen this? Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, again, I threw some money at it because I just want to say I, I really have. I'm like I'm doubtful whether this thing will actually ever come to life, but uh, it'd be interesting it's to see. It's 3D if they, printed, isn't it? No, I well, I think they they have like their prototypes, and then they're going to do mass production on. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know if it'll be injection mold or whatever the to get it. So, but I, I mean, I, I don't think they have a whole lot of experience in the manufacturing world, so that's why I'm a little skeptical on whether they're actually ever get it done and whether it actually will deliver on what they, they promised. So, um, other stuff, uh, I did. So I think I did go in on this game called visions of rainbows and it failed to fund. And I, I was pretty sure it wasn't failed to fund, but I think just by the name, you guys can tell why it didn't fund maybe. Cause you have, do you have any idea what the game would be about? Did Sarah get your Kickstarter login? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, right. Is that, the game is actually a bicycle racing game, kind of in the the Flam Rouge kind of family. But I think there's some real marketing lessons to be learned. And the guy's <laughs> actually, and he's actually a local Milwaukee um, designer. He's actually in the area, so I actually thought about reaching out to him and saying, "Hey, I don't maybe other people are giving you ideas, but here's just some ideas I have on like maybe if you do this again, the name, like yeah, like a, a couple of things that could the make name. this." Um, <laughs> It was an interesting, it's like a bicycle racing game, kind of like Tour de France, whatever, um, kind of at a more technical level. I think he's going for such a niche. I don't I don't know if the game as he has it is ever actually marketable because he's, I don't know that anybody's looking for a highly simulation-based bicycle racing game. <laughs> like I, I think there's like four people. I don't know. Or maybe how many people actually did that. But I think there's a core there. Like there could be something where you could simplify, maybe come with simplified what, advanced what if, rules. What if we what if we up. make it simulation like Tour de France, but with weapons? So it's like Gasland. <laughs> right. It's like there your bikes have like chainsaw <laughs> spokes or yeah. like you know like uh, a battering ram that just swings out from the side of your bike and takes out your like an acid launcher. Yeah, like yeah. combat bikes. Mm-hmm. See that I think might fund. Right or tour tour de apocalypse, and we could call yeah, it. And it's like bike racing in the apocalypse. Well, we could call it yeah. visions of rainbows. <laughs> yeah, right. And it would make total sense. Then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I, no doubt that one failed. That one failed. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, it was an interesting uh, learning experience. I think on that. Uh, this other one, this level up. Have you guys seen this? Mm. So this is the no, Troy. I haven't. Tell me about it. So this is the. <laughs> So this is the table for your table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it, the riser. It's the riser, and so I just don't. Yeah. I like. I'm. I'm like. I'm like. I'm not sure it's actually a good idea. I think no. it funded. I think it actually funded. I think it ends like in the day or two like that. But I'm just not sure. I'm like, is it really? Like I get the idea. Like then you could put stuff underneath the the game. I just, but I just I, see it, accidents happening. Right, it I just, see people <laughs> bumping it. I see like you spill a drink under it, right. or I just. It feels oh, weird. Man. Yeah, there's yeah. It's, something about it just doesn't feel quite right. I get the idea. Like, I get it, but it, I'm just, yeah. I'm not sure if it's really a good idea or whatever. So, yeah. so if anybody ever actually gets it, they might have to tell us if it was, uh, if it actually is useful or not. Um, as long as they don't try to charge you five grand for it. I mean, maybe I'm in. Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, so these next two were... 
No, I did not back it. I just saw it, and I'm I was just more curious as because I'm I was trying to figure out if it was actually a good idea or if it just was weird. So uh, these next two I did for Ty <laughs> uh, is there's actually a Vampire the Masquerade uh, co-op board game called Chapters. I'm not sure. I I don't know if it is that any interest to you, Ty? Would you actually even? I I guess it depends what. I feel like I had heard about this one a while back, um, and I didn't really look into what it is. But the the fact it's co op and it's about like vampire is interesting because usually that's a very right. combative, combative. Right. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll check it out. It's, it's cool. The IP is is getting some life outside of the the role playing right. game. But um, I don't know. I'll I'll have to take a look. I'll report back next yeah. time what I think about Vampire the Masquerade Chapters, the Coop board game. Yes. Yep. And then the other one is, Ty, remember the company? I can't think of the company. In the World of Darkness, the company that has the license now, they are doing, they've redone Vampires. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you actually, I think you're right. Yeah, it could be. It was. That IP tends to. Yeah, you're right. It is jumping around a little bit. Um, but I think they had done like the redone, the vampire version werewolf, I think. Mm-hmm. And now they're redoing, um, Hunter the Vigil, which in my, I've never played a whole lot, but this is actually the one that always has most interested me is the, the, the setting of being the, the kind of the hunter, mm-hmm. um, and being kind of that, um, mercenary group that goes on like that. So when yeah. hunters come in the dark Milwaukee, we generally end up having them put them down because they don't discriminate right. about, mm-hmm. you know, mages, werewolves, vampires. Nope. It's like. All of the night folk are, are bad. And we're like, well, we're going to have to put you down. We gave you a chance. Stupid hunters. <laughs> so maybe. Yep. I haven't backed that one, but I'm tempted. Oh, wait. Is this next game not Troy? It's me. What? Yeah. And so this now, yeah, I don't, I was know if we wanted to do Bryce's quick and then let the oh, Josh yeah, finish yeah. up with a, uh, a, a tale of uh, yeah, so cautionary Bryce. tale here. Bryce, you've you've experienced the joys of throwing money at something on Kickstarter and getting very excited, and now you've seen the dark underbelly. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's more of a cautionary tale that you guys never talk about for poor innocent souls <laughs> like me. Who have no idea how this works, and you see pretty fun things, and then you're super happy, and they say, oh, you'll get this in June. No, you'll get this in May. And then they're like, oh, just kidding, you'll get this in 2021. Hope you don't mind waiting. That's it. Yep. Do, you, do you mind waiting? Ty tells me that I should continue to expect disappointment and that it could yep. get delayed again. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Now I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> so is that Aetherfields that uh, Awaken Realms is doing that, that got a, a pushback in the next year? Yes. Yeah. So, but they they showed a bunch of extra stuff that they're giving, so that's cool. But still sad. Some someday it'll pay off, and mm-hmm. you'll enjoy receiving it. Uh, usually, it's it's by the time you forget that you backed it because it yeah. gets delayed so much, yeah. and it just shows up at your you door and your box like, on your doorstep. Wow, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Josh. So, All right, Josh. Here we go. Speaking of here, cautionary, yeah. Tales here's another cautionary tale about uh, don't kickstart while drunk. Um, I, I got an email, um, because I bought a, I bought a 
gaming table from boardgametables.com, and they have two games, well, at least oh. two games. I think they have a couple games, um, letting me know that they were reprinting on tour and QE, their their roll and write games. And I was like, oh, I heard good things about on tour. Let's just let's check this out and clicked in, check clicked into the uh, the Kickstarter, little faded. I'm like, oh, psh, yeah, yeah, I need this game for sure. This sounds awesome. So I put in my information, and then I clicked go, and I went, oh, that information's wrong. Okay, let me put in this real information. Yeah, I had to do it like three times because I was drunk. And then it went through, uh, and so, yeah, now I have a touring band roll-and-write game and a bid-on-companies uh, roll-and-write game. Uh, so we'll, we'll probably try those out and see how they are, but they do seem kind of fun. They're, they're quick, you know, whatever, quick, silly games that, uh, we'll maybe get to the table. Cool. Yeah. So Kickstarter, um, don't do what we do. We're doing that. So you don't have to, right? That's the Royal we, (laughs) that's the don't don't do what these two do because I have mastered minimizing my hobby purchases my kickstarting i've i've i'm staying focused on a project i don't know who i am it's like i'm a new person this year it's weird good for you buddy it's really weird did I'm you scared. read essentialism or whatever is the book no no <laughs> i haven't wow. i've been reading a lot of other stuff which we'll talk about yeah. here in a, a little mm-hmm. bit um not self-help stuff though or, or anything <laughs> useful um but i have been watching a lot of stuff listening to a lot of stuff so uh, let's start with some of the other categories. So yeah. I, I think I filled this up um, yeah. a little bit. but uh, So two shows that if you're not watching, go watch. One is HBO's The Outsider, um, based on Stephen King novel, mm. um, about a, uh, a, a string of murder, I guess, a string of murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a supernatural twist. So Jason Bateman is is in it. Ben Mendelsohn from Bloodlines, and I think he was in one of the Star. Was he Rogue One, where he played like the the Imperial officer guy? I don't know. Sure, he's been in some stuff. I don't yeah. know what he's all been in, but he's a great actor. Yep, he's a detective. It's excellent show. Has uh, elements that remind me of like season one of True Detective, the only season of True Detective mm. worth watching. Um, <laughs> Three was pretty good. To be fair, I haven't watched three yet because oh. two is so bad. Yeah, skip two, um, go right to three. So. Three's good. And then uh, Lock and Key. So in the King family, uh, Joe Hill, his son, mm-hmm. writes a comic book called Lock and Key. The graphic novel is adapted uh, for screen about four episodes in. Really enjoying it. Family moves into this this house in uh, somewhere in mm-hmm. Cape Cod near you know Massachusetts, Maine, wherever. Um and there are these keys hidden within the house that have magical elements, but um, it starts to be a pretty dark and malevolent like story that's going on uh, as these kids are um, kind of finding out about their home with their mother because it's just their mom and the three kids. Um, so it's it's a really good show. Highly what, recommend what that network? as well. That's a Netflix Netflix, uh, okay. Netflix original. Oh. Um, then <clears throat> Netflix has started doing reality TV. Now, I uh, hate reality TV. No. I don't watch Big Brother. I don't watch any of that stuff. No. But Netflix did one called The Circle. Uh-huh. Now, The Circle is all about social media and how you get people to like your stuff and post yeah. and catfishing. And it's so ridiculous and it's so bad, I got completely hooked. <laughs> and I 
burned through it in a couple of days. My wife was worried about me because she <laughs> she was like, "You make fun of me for watching like you know stuff on Bravo like Below Deck or whatever else. This is so much worse." And then I made it worse because after that it queued up. You know how Netflix yep. starts to they know what like, you like read what you yeah. are. It queued up another one called Love Is Blind, where people oh, talk to each other through a wall oh. and get married all inside of forty days. Wow! So they like they're like talking through a wall. They can't see each other. They're trying to prove this experiment yeah. is love blind. Hosted by Nick and Vanessa Vanessa Lachey. So I'm mm. like. 98 mm. degrees cool yeah. okay i'll yeah. check this out <laughs> terrible but i can't stop yeah. watching <laughs> terrible uh so that's netflix and then on the flip side of productivity i've been watching hobby cheating videos mm. so vince Venturella, um bryce i know is a, a disciple of hobby cheating um youtube videos mm. i've watched like the zenithal highlighting mm. i've watched his speed painting i've watched some of his uh like paint brand reviews mm-hmm. and color uh, yep. things. Um, just started watching his uh, shadowing and painting bone um, recommended today in, in a little group chat by Bryce. Um, so I've been watching a lot of the hobby cheating videos on YouTube. In addition to CK studios did does the hobby hangout. Hang yep. Uh, and they put some of them on YouTube. I don't know if they put all of them, but the um, one is an intro to airbrushing. Uh, where Caleb breaks down, you know, the size of the aperture, mm-hmm. air pressure, mixing your paints, consistency, just a lot of like, if you're starting, mm-hmm. here's what you want to do. And and here's why, in, in his opinion. So it's not like a do this, mm-hmm. do this, do this. Um, but it's, it's just helpful to get some of that reinforcement because you spend so much time reading and watching other yeah. things. He breaks down in a very easy to understand. And as I'm sitting here kind of staring at the airbrush and starting to think about, you know, actually using it, I'm, I'm getting over that hang up of, I don't know what okay. the hell I'm doing by watching some, some of this stuff. So a lot of watching yeah. of things, uh, some of them awful, atrocious, horrible, some of them incredibly good. Yeah. Like best narrative I've seen yeah. on TV in a while, um, and it helps offset the the pain and suffering that Gen Con inflicted on me with a. Can I? I'll go back to airbrush time. really quick. So mm-hmm. I think the you're saving me from the downward spiral. Yeah, well, well, before you go, before you go, totally negative. I know Bryce won't come with us to Gen yeah. Con, and we're probably not going to go because we don't have a hotel within 14 yeah. miles and. You're the only person in our whole group of friends that got a room anywhere near the convention. And, and I didn't either, but Ben did. Yeah. But um, okay, so I'm not supposed to get depressed. No, yeah, don't Hobby get videos. too depressed in that. Mm-hmm. And Bryce probably has more. I, what I found is like between Caleb and also Vince, like, um, and I take a couple of classes with Caleb too. But like stuff like just they both have really good things and just like cleaning your brush and color changing, um, which is always like again I got kind of hung up on when I was early. Um, but they both have some pretty good videos. I know Vince has some really good ones on like changing color and stuff like that to really help you just um, really good tips and you know what, what to worry about, what not to worry about. Cause I think you can, sometimes you get a lot of advice that's almost overkill and you spend up and end up spending a lot of time doing stuff that really you don't need to. And then you kind of get a bad taste in your mouth. Like, well, it takes me forever to airbrush. Why don't I just do that? Um, so I recommend again, both those guys as good resources um, for that stuff. So now you can get back to, no, I'm Gen I'm Con over sadness. it now. I'm just sad. I didn't, you know, Gen Con housing once again continued. 
Just when I started I, like spike and get excited <clears throat> that maybe Gen Con would be cool, it, like the carpet gets pulled out from under you, um, and you're sitting there looking at a website that tracks hotel availability every day to see if anything closer than 14 miles shows up, and it it it's just yeah. stupid. And we, I only have a couple data points, but I think you're like. It, it's kind of now where you're probably about a 10% chance. I think, I think you have to be like one in 10 people actually get into the, get a chance to get a, a room downtown at this point from just, and that's only from my data point And then another person at work where they had both had kind of similar groups of about one in 10 people were able to actually get, get in this thing. So that seems to be where we are at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, how about uh, how about some happiness about reading and listening yeah. to books, Bryce? You wanna, you've you've been uh, an animal on Audible. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, on my fourth book of the year, and it's still February. So I I finished the third, second, well, second and third since the last episode, uh, King's Dark Tiding books, and I've I've been really enjoying that. And I think I got someone else here to to start. Uh, that so that i can know if if it's just a me thing or if it's actually a good book (laughs) um (laughs) and then i started a book that i know two of you very very much like uh name of the wind so we all all do oh you've read that yeah yep okay then there we go i so i i'm only like four or five hours in but i'm i'm a little confused and i'm struggling to like get into it does that does that did that happen to you guys or I would say yeah name of the wind early because it's a lot it's he's right that's when he's in the caravan and it jumps around jumps a little around bit his yeah parents. it's like yeah. going forward and backward and I never really know yeah rat it it gets better right. yep um and it all makes sense and you start there there's a lot of there's a lot of haters about Rothfuss and how much he writes and how long his books are and the word choices you know like how he builds his story. But he's, he's truly building. So it's one of those things, you know, if you think about it as layers that will make sense and provide support, like foundations for things that happen, you know, 20 hours in, um, there's there's a lot of callback and there's a lot of reference to things that you don't even realize until later that are, are important. So give it, give it time and enjoy it for kind of his... Like his prose, he's he he mm-hmm. writes in a very vivid and kind of like visual way. I think so. Like it's not a ton of action. It's not a ton of like swords and sorcery. Um, it's a lot of you know character and understanding who this person is, so that later the action and the choices make sense. That's that's kind of what I would say about the early chapters and pages of Name of the Wind. Is it's it's providing that like frame and that foundation for what this character becomes gotcha all right i'll keep going don't it's don't give a, up yeah you'll, and what's you'll be sad if you give up yeah. i think once you once you get to a certain point, point. Like, yeah i won't, oh, wow. I won't okay. talk about the certain point because yeah. i think i think we're both thinking of the same thing yeah there's going to be a certain once he gets to a certain part in his journey and then it kind of really you're just kind of then bought in and like what's going to happen but i can understand the early part because there's a lot of stuff kind of just going on any uh, so King's Dark Tidings is Kelcade, um, which I'll I'll kind of dive into what I've been reading. So 
uh, on Bryce's recommendation. Um, I've finished my 10th book of uh, 2020 so far, um, and that was King's Dark Tidings, the the number one. I can't think of the exact title, but... Um, Free the Darkness. Free the Darkness. Uh, and it, it is, it's good. It's not the best book I've ever read. I'm reading it. I'm not listening, so... Um, but it is on. Uh, what's kind of cool is I have Kindle Unlimited through mm-hmm. Amazon, so ten bucks a month, and then there's a ton of titles that are free. And her books are part of that Kindle Unlimited um, like deal. So um, cool storytelling. It does some interesting things with you're starting with a character that doesn't know who he is. He just has this uh, skill set that he's been taught in this, you know, like this story that he's also trying to learn um, from a very kind of violent start. Um, And Bryce, I think you talked about it a little bit. Uh, You know, he's trained in this kind of fort slash monastery type way, taught all these skills, and then he's given a mission to like kill everybody. And that's where it Mm -hmm. starts is him um, with these like 200 some rules of, you know, how to handle pain and, who not to trust and how to play these roles. Um, and then his travels take him out into the world. And it's, it's, it's a cool concept and I'm enjoying it. I just started the second book, uh, as, as well. And I'm, I'm four chapters, five chapters into that. So making some good progress through there. I've also read a whole slew of, uh, lit RPG books. So I'm, I'm back to, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at your good like reads entire series like... of there's six books out in this one. Um, and then like three in this Limitless Lands series. Uh, but now, so I've got King's Dark Tidings, the second book. And then I've got three paperbacks in the Sandman Slim that I've mm. kind of queued up. Mm. I'm also trolling Troy by not uh, finishing The Killing Light so he can't talk about yep. Mike Cole's third book with me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm <laughs> I know it's about three hours of reading time that I probably have. And I'm just like, I'm just waiting until Troy finally spoils it for me like he did. Uh, the horse heresy um <laughs> and then talk about a year an awesome year yeah. for books we've got the next dresden files book mm. uh coming i think june or july mm. um very soon i might have to try and catch up i'm pretty close i've been actually stalling because i realized i was getting towards the end and then i don't want it to i don't want to be caught up but now if i know another book i can kind of get closer um, Abercrombie announced he's got the yeah, the reader's copy of his second book, uh, the the mm-hmm. follow up to a little hatred, that I think the date is later this year or early. Yeah, I think they're almost a year. He hasn't yeah, like, like coming out a year, year apart. Yeah. And then I saw a notification that Sam Sykes follow up the Seven Blades in Black mm-hmm. about Sal the Cacophony, mm-hmm. the greatest character um, that I've read in fantasy in a while, coming out uh, later this year as well. And I can't think of the name of that one, but it, it might be arrows or you know something to do with another weapon. Um, but just fantastic book that um, everyone needs to read is Sam Sykes' Seven Blades in Black. So that, I've been doing a lot of a lot of reading. I haven't been listening because uh, I've been listening only to Critical Role, nothing on Audible. <laughs> so I finished episode one hundred and ten uh, today. Oh. I have five episodes remaining, and episode 114 is the the climax, like the the climax yeah. uh, battle against Vecna, mm-hmm. and then 115 is the wrap up. So I have five episodes, four until like the five hour long craziness, 
Um, and then I'll be done with campaign one. So cool, and we can finally by the talk time about by spoilers. the time we record, I should be done with campaign right. one of Critical Role. And I would love to do an entire podcast about Critical Role. Oh. Like I, I think I could honestly talk like episode breakdowns, <laughs> characters, how the rules are handled. Like there's so much okay, to Jeff. unpack there. Yep. Um, I wish I had watched it when yep. it was coming out, so I could watch like Talks Machina and some of the yep. other yep. stuff, and like be a be relevant. Yep. Now I'm like four years behind. Two years behind. I'm catching up. You're though. catching up. I'm time yeah. traveling. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like I have never. I haven't. I started the second one and then I kind of peeled off and I haven't. And I'm always like, oh, now I should jump back in on the second one because um, I get they're almost as far in the second one as they ever. I think they're in ninety some episodes in the second campaign. So I don't know how long. I haven't paid attention to know what is this. How long the, he thinks this arc is going to go? Um, I imagine a few longer because this first one actually starts. Right, they were actually playing a couple of years before they even started the show. So, the the total arc yeah. of that of that campaign yeah. is probably well, they were much playing sharp. Pathfinder um, mm. before D and D fifth came out, mm. and they converted right. the campaign. They converted the campaign mm. to D and D fifth, which another reading uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, the mm. source book that Mercer wrote for Wizards of the Coast, making. Um, uh, Exandria and his world and his continent of Wildmount canon in D and D. Talk about like a boyhood yeah, dream right. come true for Matt Mercer. <laughs> yep. um, really cool to see that, and that comes yep. out March seventeenth. So right around the time we're recording next, should have a copy yep. of that in hand. Um, cool. I didn't realize excited. that came out so soon. I saw the announcement. March. But I, I assumed that it was out a little bit, but oh, cool. Yeah, March. Cool. So I've been reading. Oh, I read The Killing Light, but we can't talk about that because Ty won't ever finish the book. He wants me to forget about the book by the time he finishes. Well, you gave so. it like three stars. So I'm, yeah, you know. I, did I? I don't even know what I, I scored know. it you, at. You're like, this isn't that good. I like, don't. Um, I like the third one. Oh, you're right. I gave it three stars. Um, <laughs> that's, but three stars is not bad. It, three, three stars. Three says, stars means I'd back I this liked on Kickstarter. It. I liked it. That's what it says. I liked Drunkenly. it. Drunkenly. I'm hovering over it. <laughs> I liked it. Um, I did give five stars to Mark of Faith by Rachel Harrison, which is the 40K uh, Sisters of Battle book. Uh, I thought it was really good. I had not read a lot of Rachel Harrison, heard good things about it. It it was five stars for me because it's very character-driven. It's not a lot of bolter porn, as I was like to say. Uh, the the story, it I thought the climax was... Maybe it got a hair week there, but I, I really like this. It's another one of these. Um, I think they're really telling a cool story with what happens now that you have the rift through the universe, how everything has literally gone to hell in the 40, how much closer we are to everything going. Um, but there's some, the sisters characters in there are real. Are, she does a really nice job. Also, I think the audiobook again, if I read it, I maybe not have given it five stars. I maybe get given it four the performance by there's actually two female narrators that alternate between the two main characters, which really gives a cool performance in the audiobook. So that, I think that's what kind of pushes it. I think maybe pure story wise, I would have maybe been four. I thought be adding the, what they did in the audiobook uh, in the performance level is what push it over five for me. Uh, so a lot of fun. Again, if you're at all interested in kind of the, the sisters of battle and, uh, and cool to see female kind of strong characters in the 40k universe too. So 
so props. So I'm going to kind of go back and read some. Rachel Harrison also, I think, has some uh, Inquisitor and other couple books that she did that people mm, had cool. kind of stuff. So I may go back and pick that up. And then I needed uh, a little bit of a palate cleanser. I went back. I started the, I don't know if we, we probably talked about it many years ago, a different podcast um, is uh, Kane's Black Knife, Matthew Stover, uh, basically Kane character. It's the the first book in that series is Heroes Die. So good. I I I, I kind of it was funny. He's like I was talk. Somebody was just asking, "What are you reading?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm kind of reading this whatever book." And ended up he was kind of curious, and I started going that and talking. I realized like how much I love like Heroes Die is probably somewhere in my top ten books of all time. If I would kind of go back and look, it's a mix. I would say it's actually a mix. It's more fantasy, but it's actually a mix of sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. because of the way. And I actually thought of you, Ty, where I think like this is the original like lit yeah. RPG game book, yeah. right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because in, in the world, like they're in a modern like twenty one whatever is something. It's terrible. It's terrible. They discover this way that they have this other world that they can dimension hop to, kind of that is like a true D and D fantasy world. They make the like these characters. They take humans and they kind of soup them up so that they can be true heroes in this fantasy world. Um, and then everything, and then that's and where they the sell stores. entertainment. Yeah, and they sell right and to they, people to yeah. watch like that character yeah. and what they do is like a, a film yeah. or like a you know a live action like adventure. Uh, and then you have the main character um, Harry. Um, I got it. Get Harry Michelson, who's Kane in the in the hero world, and he's just the ultimate badass. Like he's just he's not good. He's an, a total a anti-hero killer anti-hero. Yeah, he's an anti-hero yeah. assassin. And I I appreciate you bringing this back because the this is probably about a month or two ago. I couldn't remember the author's name because I I only read the first book. Mm-hmm. I never went and read it, yeah. so I, I'm gonna go and try to find these and add a, a bunch because there's like uh, there's four, four or there's five. four. Yeah, so yeah, heroes die. Blade of Tishala, which, and these are, and I will, maybe this is the warning. These are hard R, like hard R books. <laughs> like uh, he, Matthew Stover, it's like the violence is gory. I don't want to say go- like just brutal, uh, realistic um, sex. Uh, but Kane as a character is like very bl- brutal and like, and also swears every other word. And, uh, so hard R is what I would, you know, kind of say, but it's yeah, just don't, such don't a have mess. it on audible. If your kids are no, not at, not anywhere close. Like it like, <laughs> don't even, it's one of those ones that you don't have, want to have your windows open while you're driving down the road. Cause people are gonna be like, what the hell is, um, Oh, maybe we should read a paragraph yeah. from, from it. <laughs> a dramatic reading. Uh, so I can't, I am, I just finished Kane's black knife. And so the, unlike the first two are very, very much standalone. Um, Blade of Tashala is again. I think part of it where it took me so long is that book is so brutal. Like it's just absolutely brutal. Um, that I'm like, you you're really taking a trip, and they're like, I don't know emotionally if I'm ready for another one. So it's taken me about five or six years to pick up the next one. Uh, but really enjoyed Kane's Black Knife. It is not the last two are not standalone. They're kind of like two parts of the same story. So I finished this. I'm probably I may. I'll have to, I'll probably do something in between, but probably jump in and try and get that last book. So, um, really, I'm really, it was fun to kind of go back in that universe after oh, quite a long time. I, again, it's probably, I don't know, it's maybe probably been almost a decade since when Heroes, Heroes Die kind of came out and we read that. So, um, 
So I have to, I had to do, it was just funny because I think with all, it made me think too with all that lit RPG stuff you're yeah. in. Like, oh, hey, yeah. this is like one of the, the originals. Very cool. All right. We are going to take a real quick break before we drive in, dive, drive, mm-hmm. dive, drive into Bryce's hobby drive and how incredible it was in addition to his experience at Holy Wars the narrative uh, single AOS event hosted by the uh, the legendary Steve Herner in Naperville, Illinois, uh, recently. So quick break, fresh beer, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back after the break. Hopefully you're all refreshed and ready because we are going to get wild and crazy. Uh, we It's going to feel like you ran a marathon. It's going to feel like you finished painting 2,220 points of models in 23 days. It, it's going to feel like you went to the greatest narrative AOS event in the country. Um, by the time we're done recapping with Bryce what, what has happened over the last uh, handful of weeks... You may need um, a long rest. Uh, at a minimum, you're going to need a short rest uh, before we bring the episode home. So, Bryce, let's start. Let's talk about Holy Wars 2020 that just took place here uh, in, in February down in Naperville, Illinois. New venue, same old classic Holy Wars experience of greatness. So take it away and recap your own personal um, experience at Holy Wars since uh, you were the only one of us to be there, and we will ask some fitting questions and guide your narrative towards uh, towards the the end result, yeah. which is this South Beach Hobby Zone diet. <laughs> yeah, so start with the new location. It was a it was at a kind of in the, like y'all. Whenever you drive to Chicago, you always see the. Uh, skydiving indoor skydiving place and you always wonder like oh what is that and where is it how do you get there that's where the hotel was was like a block away from it <laughs> um and <laughs> did you go skydiving it, i thought about it uh, but i was very sleepy uh from <laughs> this project so i didn't go skydiving but the hotel was great they had super awesome like made to order breakfast that was included mm-hmm. with the hotel so every morning you could get an omelet or tons of different kinds of food and that so that was a nice perk uh the craziest thing of the whole weekend probably was a one-year-old's birthday party that was in the venue next door uh it was rashid rashid's first birthday and i've never in my wildest dreams imagined having a birthday party as lit as this kid's birthday party <laughs> No lie, it was decorated to the nines with like graf- or confetti and streamers and banners, and they had a live DJ playing like club music all day, and women in these beautiful gowns, and like it was a first birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so that started right around round three, and we were like, "What on earth?" and kept trying to sneak in and look in the door, but so that that was what was happening in the hotel while we were playing games. Um, I've talked about it many times here on on the podcast how much uh, fun Holy Wars is. So I, I don't think we need to hammer that home. If you if you haven't gone yet, you need to fix that and and get there, Josh and Troy. Um, mm-hmm. But so this year uh, was a little different, not having Ty there and not having some of the other people that had had gone, um, you know, for the last few. So I was a little 
not hesitant to go or anything like that, but it just felt weird not having those people there. But I got to stay with Tom. It's Tom's birthday weekend. So um had to have the birthday room again. And uh, just it's, the cool thing is, like, I, I know everyone well enough that even if I go to these things on my own, it still feels like I'm there with close friends. So that was that was great. So it's kind of the lead up to the event and everything. And, and then we got to play games. Uh, Holy Wars, I, I think we've said this before, but you get to grudge as many games as you want. So <laughs> as soon as, before I even walked in, I had all five of my games grudged out. I knew <laughs> who I was playing for the weekend. Uh, and this whole thing started with a grudge with Kyle on the on the rant cast. I think I said this earlier tonight, but started with a grudge. And uh, so we got to pick first and it only was fitting to play out with our brand new armies on the brand new table. Um, so Steve had done up this beautiful uh, winter themed table to go with his iron jaws that he's working on. And it has this huge frozen lake in the middle of it. Um, and then there's a big Island on there. And then there's a shrine that has some dragon over ogre avatars. Um, the crate that probably top three as far as crazy tables go uh, as long as you have a hero alive at one point in the game you can bring back a full unit any unit, any <laughs> unit. <laughs> so i brought back 15 snakes which is a 560 points or something like that just charged them across the middle of the table brought them back so it was a crazy crazy game and tons of fun I, the first game i've ever got to play with kyle and uh he was an absolute blast to play with um, so that was great. Second game, I, I got to play Zach Shelley, who I'd, I'd never played before. Um, he was playing uh, an Archeon list, and we were on the Ogre table, and he, he, he had a block of 40 Marauders, and he put it right up the middle of the table to try to hold my army up. And I had a Bloodrack Shrine, which has an ability that you roll per number or per model, and any 5-up slays or does a mortal wound. So I killed that whole unit on my turn and he was like, what the heck just happened? And then uh, that kind of got out of hand after that. <laughs> but Zach was, Zach was a great guy. He actually ended up winning the the wooden spoon, which is the award for last place. Um, and he was so happy <laughs> with it. He was dancing with it and it was pretty funny stuff. Um, <laughs> and then I got to play Patrick, my good, my good friend, Patrick, who always, Always makes me feel like I'm going to lose all the way till the last turn, and then I end up somehow winning. And this one <laughs> was pretty funny because Isaiah had finished uh, his game really quick, and he came over in like the fourth round of our game, and it was super close. And the whole time we had been playing where you score grails, which are kind of like victory points, um, each turn. And Isaiah's like, you guys, that's not how it works. You score them at the end. So Patrick like rereads <laughs> the rules, and it turns out, Isaiah was right, but Patrick had been way up on Grail points, but his whole army was dead at this point. <laughs> so I ended up scoring to win <laughs> all the Grails at the end. Uh, so that was pretty silly. Um, and then game game four in the morning, I uh, got to play. Who did I play in game four? This was I was is very low on sleep. Oh, I got to play uh, Travis Winter. So Travis, I'd, I'd never played Travis, and I got to talk to him quite a bit at Walpaca and get to know him. And his son is actually one of like my favorite hobby moments. Is um, Adepticon last year? His son won Best Painted at Youngbloods, and he was so pumped. Like the joy that he had when he won that award was was so cool. So I've always I've always really enjoyed Travis. Um, 
and we played and it was super close we played on bugmans which is just a brewery in the middle of the table and it you roll a die and depending on the result something happens like you either get more rend an extra attack you lose your rend uh you take mortal wounds you're too drunk stuff like that yeah 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 so it, it was just a crazy game and it came down to the turn five one roll if i passed five four of my eight armor saves on five ups i win the game and i rolled three so i ended up still winning but only scoring three instead of six and then that comes into play here at the end but the last game was um against greg which was very fitting to the to the whole event um because the army that i had played with ty was was uh you know my our whole narrative behind it and and Sinde had his artifact and he used it to try to raise models that had been slain at the, in that game and the whole narrative was like he would raise things and they'd come back as stone with the with the drive and passion of the models that, or the units that had fallen before him and uh it didn't work there and that's kind of where my army came from and I'll talk more about that in a second but was daughters on daughters action and uh he was just sitting on the shrine uh in the middle of the table where there's a, a shrine for Cain and just kind of watching as my army's getting slaughtered and everything is dying around him and uh, greg had marathi and uh i had kind of taken the game over at this point and i had two units left and they had totally surrounded marathi um and she had two wounds left and they ended up retreating away for Incendi to fly down the tower and charge Marathi and do the final wound to win the game. <laughs> so it was it was pretty fitting for the for the Cinematic whole narrative. That finish, was yeah. Yeah. So and it was just tons of fun. I I had teleported my, my whole army was based around basically having the Slaughter Queen on Cauldron around the army. It's kind of like a death wall type army where that piece needs to be in the middle. And we played in the Realm of Shadow, and I just teleported it across the table and charged one of his units and completely sacrificed it. So the army didn't really function. But that's the kind of stuff that I love about it is, like, that's a lot of people do those kind of things. And it's not about winning or losing. It's about the stories and the fun along the way. So as far as games go, everything was was awesome. Um, and it was super fun, super fun time like it always is. Very cool. One, one question I, I do have for you. And and you you don't have to answer this, but it sounds like you played five people that uh, legitimately could have could have won best sport. And I know best sport came down to two of your opponents. <laughs> and it, it did last actually year, three three of my opponents had oh, three a three way tie. Okay, yeah. So um, last yeah. year uh, it was between Kyle and Greg at Holy Wars, and Paint Score broke the tie. And went yeah. Greg's way. This year, Paint Score broke the tie and went Kyle's way. One point each time, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Which way did your favorite opponent vote go? Uh, I I I truly wrote a name down and crossed it out, and then wrote a different name down. Uh, <laughs> I voted for Kyle because if it wasn't for Kyle, I wouldn't have had the army that I had. Yeah. And. Uh, I mean, every game I had was a blast, so it's it's hard to yeah. It's pick next which impossible. one was your favorite? Yeah. So, I I did I did Kyle because without Kyle I would have not been there, and I I I sh- I have another piece I'll talk about later. Um, that it really if it wasn't for Kyle I might not have even been there. So, um, 
So yeah, I, might, I voted for Kyle. I love Greg. I love Patrick. I, lo- I really enjoyed playing Zach and Tra- Travis, but it's, I mean, voting for your favorite is like picking your favorite flavor of Skittle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw green. <laughs> yeah, new green is trash. New Old green's great. Right, exactly. Wow. All right. So now what everyone has been waiting for, um, we will talk about the hobby journey that was the 23 days leading up uh, to Holy Wars. So you were on Rantcast with with Andrew, Mr. Meff, and as he calls his uh, Twitch stream chat chat gang, there was, as always, discussion in there, um, and it it turned the way of the grudge. You talked about that with Kyle, uh, the, the challenge you threw down, uh, responding to him about a... a he brings 10 more gas. You bring an army that you haven't finished um, or hadn't started rather, you know, the, the painting of um, we talked uh, before the year started about you wanting to finish some of these projects and, and do some of this stuff. So it was kind of like this perfect storm of kind of hobby energy, you know, coming together. Um, but now I don't know what we want to call this. It's like, you know, it's, it's the joke is, the flex and you did a fair bit of flexing uh <laughs> on Rantcast last night um about completing it but uh whatever it was it was quite an accomplishment to get an army to the standard you did and to the you know the level of conversion and, and detail but let's let's talk about the onset you know where where the bright idea hits or the the crazy dumb idea that you, you know you're <laughs> going to look back and, and be like, Price, why did you do this to yourself? But let's talk about kind of the start and, and the development of the plan as it began, you know, to incubate and, and to get started on, on the road. Yeah, so I think I, I was in kind of a fortunate position because it's it's not like I came up with the concept for the army in, in that moment. It's it's an army that I think two years ago when I was flying to Canada for our first club that opened there, I sent you a message from airplane mode <laughs> with the narrative <laughs> behind the army. So it's something that I've thought about for a long time. And I, I had, you know, the idea pretty much laid out of how I wanted to do the majority of it. Um it was just finally pulling the trigger and executing on it. Um, and one of the biggest hurdles was the was the green stuff. And, and that was one of the things that really kept me from ever finishing it. So I, I just, you know, I, I looked, I made a list and I, I figured out exactly what I wanted to have. And then I figured out what I needed to add to get the sideboard and stuff like that and, and how I wanted to continue the narrative. So I, I went in with absolute certainty of this 1600 points needs to be done and it can't change and i think that was super important and that was what i made sure i finished first and then the other stuff the sideboard that kind of stuff that was a secondary plan it's i still in in priming it and stuff like that i I did it all in the beginning because that step is pretty simple but i didn't start painting that until i had gotten further along in the process so uh, having the list and knowing where it needed to go was was really important in the beginning um and also picking the colors um i did that on the first day and i put all the rest of my paint away 
Um, I put it in my closet with a bunch of shit in front of it so that I couldn't <laughs> open the door so that I couldn't change the colors. And I did two test models and I sat there for 20 minutes and I looked at them and I picked the one that I liked the most and then I put all the rest of it away and I didn't change it. I used 11 different paints. So the whole army is 11 paints. And I think that's super, super important too, is picking those colors from day one and, and not overcomplicating it, not using four different reds and six different blues and a turquoise and a blue and a this and a that. It's, having it very limited is super helpful in, in keeping the progress going and, and not slowing down and thinking about where you're going to put what color. So I, I think that is really important to focus in on is is that color palette and in the you know the the choices now um also i think a, a big part of kind of your your paint style you've been playing around with a lot and maybe we'll head there next is is the preparing the models for the painting themselves um yeah so do yep. you want to talk a little bit about kind of how how you went from you know finishing your sculpting and and priming to to be paint ready and any any influences or you know um kind of what helped you get to that from from build to to that paint stage ready to go yeah well one thing on the build stage and and i you know i mentioned that like the most intimidating part was the green stuff and it was like the thing the hurdle that i couldn't get myself to jump over and i had i had done five of these models a long long time ago and i put some paint on them and like looking at them i couldn't really tell where i green stuffed and I finally and we were playing D&D, and I just was like, I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm going to finish it in this session, and it's going to be good enough. So I was going pretty quick, and I was just filling holes and kind of just quickly making lines to make it look like bark the best I could. And looking back at it, you can hardly notice where I did it. And I think that like green stuff is super intimidating for a lot of people because when you look at green stuff, when it's there and it's on gray models, you can see it. It's like a highlighter. But when it's painted and primed and you know you have your first few layers and you have your shades on it, it kind it, it you kind of lose it. And I think taking that leap and just doing it, you're really going to be the only one that exactly where it is. And if it's not perfect, and you're not trying to sculpt like a dragon out of green stuff it's going to work. So the the Nike slogan, just do it really applies to, to green stuff. It, it just go for it and it's going to look good. It's going to look good enough or it's going to look great. And it, no one's really going to notice the difference. So that's, that's green stuff. My advice there. And uh, I'm still, I'm still intimidated by it, but I feel much more comfortable now having just done it um, kind of like airbrushing. So, but that leads into the next part. Uh, the, the greatest thing I think I've ever learned how to do is Zenithal. And the, the video I recommend watching is from Vince uh, Hobby Cheating, Preparing Your Best Miniature. And, and that is the way I paint now. Like, there's no way around it. And it's not that I'm preparing my best miniature, but I found that using that technique to start takes away so much work on the back end. Um, and it's something I talk about a lot. So it's it's really just doing a zenithal. So priming gray or dark red or brown or whatever color you want as your base coat, depending on what you're doing. Uh, and then a lighter gray and a white or, you know, there's different, you can do it with different colors, but traditional is black, gray, white. Um, and then using a Vallejo model wash, just dark gray. 
and then dry brushing over the top of that with with i use ivory for it's a model color ivory and that's those are the colors that i use but really any gray and and off white works great and it takes your models to a point where you can see every single detail on them and it's perfectly shaded and everything you know it's it's like it's highlighted in black and white and then i just glaze everything like i vince has a lot of videos on glazing and um, there's a lot of good resources on glazing. I, I use Vince for almost everything I do um, <laughs> because it's just like he it's, literally has a video on anything you could ever imagine. And, and it's just like super detailed things like painting leather boots. He has a video on that. <laughs> so yeah. anything you want to know, you can, you can learn from him. Um, but I just super glaze down and I use all scale paints and I use Vallejo glaze medium, like nine to one. So nine drops of glaze to one drop of scale. And I just put it on. <laughs> like I I got the models to a four color minimum, I would call it, in a day. And they're they look like they're highlighted. And it's all because of that first step. And granted the, the Zenithal wash glaze or dry brush takes a lot longer than it does to just prime something black or quick zenithal it. But you're taking it you can see, and you, if you want to take something to a super high level, you go back and highlight it and everything. But with this, it's like painting. And I'd also like to try this with contrast because I think that contrast would really benefit from this too. But like the models, not to like pat myself on the back, but they look really, really cool for taking a step that really doesn't take that much time. As long as you thin your paint enough, it's going to keep all those shades of color through it. And, it's it, i would i would never paint a model without doing this again yeah it is it is really a, a great technique to prepare the the surface and in anytime you're using inks or contrast like i've played around with terrain you know just doing zenithal highlighting on wood grain and using like the the wood you know the scale and ink intensity wood or chestnut and you get these tones that look just crazy uh, and like the lights hitting them, but it's just the, the surface underneath that you've, you've gone that gradient of color up to the white. Um, yeah. So it, it's just such a way to bring out that vibrant yeah. kind of the way the light works against an object underneath your paint, um, you know, it takes care of that highlighting to your point very, very well. Yeah, you, you just have to make sure it's thin enough. Like I, I, I remember the first time I zenithaled something, and I painted over it with just GW from the pot, and I was like, "What is the point of this? Why did I waste my time spraying this with three different spray paints?" But seeing the effect it has with thin paint is that that's when you know it's right. When the color, when you see like six shades of color in your one from your one glaze, your paint's thin enough, and. Vince always says, you think it's thin, make it twice as thin, and then it'll be the right consistency. Is it, do you, do you think you can always get it there with the glazer? Are there certain colors or certain paints that just don't glaze as well or something that you stay away from? So I, I've, I have a very limited color palette that I would use. And I think, I think everyone kind of does, you know, you have your colors that you really like, and I don't, I don't typically venture outside of that. I, I will with like doing new projects here over the year and stuff like that. But I, I use red turquoise blue a lot. And they're like my primary colors. I've, I've never painted anything yellow. I, uh, so I can't really speak to 
that many colors, but I do think I think it works with any color from from what I've seen of his videos and stuff like that. But um, I can say with absolute certainty that that blues reds work incredibly well with his NFL. And red is kind of sometimes a harder color to highlight, um, but with his Zenithal, it, it does really well because you know it gets the pink a lot if you do it with red, but Zenithal kind of takes that away. One one of his videos that I think is a great resource for everyone too is where Vince um, kind of documented and over the course of like two and a half hours his painting of an entire uh, like cities of Sigmar free guild type army in mm-hmm. um I, I think it's like speed painting an army or painting an army in a weekend or it's something like that but it's a yeah it's how to paint an army in a week and then he he has the ogre one which is 24 hours and he he does that step-by-step zenithal the wash the highlight um and it breaks down that that glazing too and it, it's just a really good you know 30 minutes of prepping and then as he starts to apply you can see some of those colors and and how they go on really clearly i think that's a good one to to check out yeah Absolutely. So we, we then from, from the, the painting and, and getting your palette, you know, preparing the model, how, how much of this is, you know, making a plan? Cause I think one of the things that people sometimes lose sight of is, is a little bit of progress every day or a lot of progress in short sessions. What was your, what was your approach to like scheduling your, your painting and your, your, your checkpoints, you know, knowing this project had a limited time span, uh, to kind of get it done and get it, get it where you needed it to be. Yeah. So I started by making a calendar of, you know, if I do this, this day, this, 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 and this, um, I'll get there. And by like the seventh day, I felt like I didn't even finish the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, so the calendar, the calendar, um, for me didn't work great, but, um, when things started to get closer, it, it really was making sure that each phase of the project, so each model that needed red was done. And it truly was an assembly line of uh, 10, 20, 35, 45, 53 models in a line. And I had three <laughs> tables set up around me and I would do all the red, put it over. I do all the base color of the wood, put it over wash the wood, put it over. So it was knowing like, okay, so tomorrow, today I'm going to wake up and I need to finish the wood. If I don't finish the wood, I'm screwed because drying time, that's the one thing with this process is drying time is a lot longer. So you, you if you don't have enough models and you start kind of putting colors on top and you're not trying to blend them, they're, you're going to blend them because glazes will take, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes, depending on how thin it is for them to fully dry. So, so like knowing if I don't finish the wood base and wash today, I won't be able to start that next step I need to tomorrow. And it was about 14 days out where it was really like, okay, I sat down uh, after working one night and just wrote down like, this is today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and had every single day like, this needs to be done or I'm not going to finish. And some nights were really long because I needed to stay awake and finish it. And some days were, were more reasonable. The one other thing that I'll add to this is that I also refinished my kitchen countertops in this process too. <laughs> so there were three days that were completely lost to to my brother coming and helping me redo my countertops. Um, which so look, those were... which look incredible, Bryce. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Your yeah. your uh, your handyman uh, ways are, I think, 
underappreciated. <laughs> when we think of Bryce, the hobby hero, we don't think that he's uh, out there cutting wood and resurfacing <laughs> salvaged barn wood for countertops or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah. So that that was tough, and it it really truly was like having those certainties that I needed to finish to to know that I'd be on track and. If I not letting myself go to sleep, <laughs> I mean, there were nights in hobby banter like I just have to do one more thing. And I think one night after D and D, I forced you to stay awake another hour and a half, you did, so I could finish yeah. <laughs> doing something. Um, but that is like what we talked about earlier, having that support system. Because there were there were three nights where I had quit. Like I I there was one night where I told you I wasn't going to finish. I, I think it was the Monday before. I just said, you know, I'm just going to give up. I got a different army I can play. Like, I'm putting in a good enough effort. And I I don't even know if I painted that day, but then you're like, no, you have to you have to do it. You can do it. And having, like, that positivity and motivation. And then um, I mentioned it with Kyle, but it was Wednesday. I think Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, the Wednesday before. I sent him a message, and I just I apologized. And I was like, I tried my best, but not going to get there. I had the bases to paint um, and I had something else to do and it just felt like it was impossible. And he was like, I think you should just put them on plain bases. It looks good enough the way it is and everything will be fine. And just having like, you know, I knew I, as I got further, I knew it looked good enough, but I, in my mind, I'm like, it's not good enough to take to Holy Wars, but having everyone just say like, Oh, that's super cool. Just take it the way it is and it'll be good enough that kind of motivation really helped you. So I think it, the most important thing in the whole process is having that support system and, you know, Dr. Gabe's investment and in wanting to see my display board and stuff like that. So every day I'd share pictures of the display board so that, you know, I felt like I had to share a new picture or everyone would be like, Oh, he's not going to make it. <laughs> so, so having that was super helpful too. So, so that, that brings up one, one really important thing when we, we talk a lot about community and about, um, you know, having that, that system of like hobby support, accountability, whatever you want to call it, highly recommend as a part of any of these projects is be a part of something just bigger than like yourself, you know, have, have a disc. There's so many discords, different, different groups, different podcasts, different hobby hangouts, whatever it may be like join something just so you see other people working and you get some sense of not being alone. Cause I think one thing you kind of touched on is it was a very, like, it's very easy, I think to get lost in what you have to do. And it's very, it's an individual hobby. It's an individual thing. But like once you expand and you kind of engage with other people and talk about stuff or share, you know, progress and feedback, it can, it can really help foster that, you know, creativity, mm -hmm it it needs like community to to grow yeah. otherwise what are you producing something that you're going to look at you know alone yeah. in your room and <laughs> <laughs> never see the light of day like that we do this hobby part of it is to share yep. and that that helps a lot too in, in getting things done um so as as you shared though and you talked about kind of your you know executing towards your own goal and, and your own standard what you know what did you have to do to adapt or where did you have to you know, from not even from a time or, you know, extend yourself one day, but actually from like your vision, was there some adaptation and, and change along the way where this project from what your vision started as to where you ended up with it or, um, 
you know, any, any moments where you shifted and went a different direction or. Yeah. So the, I'd say the biggest thing was when I, when I went in, I wanted to only have 240 points of allies. And I, my intent was to play a temple nest, which is, you know, the both versions of the snakes, but I, I had the 35 of the combat ones and I, I didn't really have I didn't have the time, the money, or the ambition to build ten of the bow ones, but I had these shadow warriors that I had converted, and I, I had planned to use those because um, they're still dark elf and they have the the snake bows, so they look like they would fit, um, but they're far more detailed, um, and it would have taken me you know another two or three days to actually finish those, so it was. This is about 10 days left where I was like, I have to find a way to adjust this list to make it work. Um, so I took the temple nest out and I, I added five more snakes, um, combat snakes in. And I, I tried to find some endless spells and stuff that would work. And I, as I did that, I was like, well, I don't even have time to add those. So thankfully I had some deep gain. And I also made a huge mistake in planning um, that I thought that daughters could ally with any cities models uh, but they actually can only ally with certain keywords from cities <laughs> so in the narrative it was you know we had the thing he and tr- tried to re- resurrect was a phoenix from from greg's army and uh so i did this cool looking what i was calling a blood phoenix and i had it on the tree and everything and um turns out that that couldn't be on my list <laughs> um so that into oh, no. a terrain piece um a nice very nice looking terrain piece on my display board um and then i had to quick scramble to to find something else to make but it was actually really cool because in the process like i was like well maybe i can just make a couple other small foot heroes so i just started throwing together random tree or like dryad pieces with different daughters pieces and made three really cool hags out of the mistake so i ended up instead of just having the one hag i now have three hags so um being able to to kind of just adapt and not overthink what i was doing like i wanted to make avatars i wanted to do all this stuff but i didn't have a plan so i was just like well i can just throw these things together and just call them good enough. And then the, the good enough turned out to be my favorite model in my army is one of the hags that I didn't have built in the first place. So I think in those moments of like, oh shit, creativity needs to happen is when some of the coolest stuff happens and, and being under the pressure to make it happen. Um, I never would have made that model had it not been for that moment of panic. So That's awesome. <clears throat> Very cool. And then uh, what what was it like as you brought it to completion. So when did you know, uh, I mean, you had a timeline and that I think is very important. You had a deadline where you had to display, but when you're looking to complete a project like this, where do you kind of set that, that benchmark of, okay, this is, this is either good enough or this is exactly what I want or, you know, time's up brushes down. Like, how did how did wrapping this up kind of look from a an element of get, truly getting it done and, and having it ready to put out and display? I think I think the biggest part of like knowing when you, I was finished was a time was up, but also being able to accept that what I had done was good enough and actually pretty impressive. Um, was the Thursday night when the display board was flocked and the 
terrain pieces were set on it. And then I was just like, well, I still have to rim the bases and, and finish gluing some things together, but I'm going to set everything out. And that was the first time that I'd ever had the models like all together laid out how I had envisioned them. And in that moment, all the colors and everything, like I, I designed it with the intent of in a darker room, you know, you try to control where the eyes go. So you have dark on the top and lead it down to light on the bottom and have the colors repeat themselves. So it was like the hair of the models really popped and drew your eye up instead of down, which is kind of what you go for. And it was in that moment where everything was just there and people were like, Oh, that looks great. And I was like, it really does look great. <laughs> like it's not perfect. And if I pick a model up and hold it close, I can see like, I didn't get the shafts of the weapons painted how I wanted. And I didn't highlight the blades and like all these things that I know. Um, but when someone just looks at it, they're like, Oh my God, what did you do? What is this? <laughs> and it looks super cool. Um, that it wasn't until the very end though. I'll tell you, there was a, no, no time last week that I feel proud or grateful or happy that I made in this choice. It wasn't until the Thursday night setting it up and even more so Friday when I got to actually put it out for people to look at and stuff like that. But it, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, to the last final second before it actually felt like I had, had made it. So any, I know I've been asking a lot of the questions, Troy or Josh, any, anything you would ask about the, the process or things Bryce has touched on yet before I, I have a, a few others, but I, I just want to know what was your plan always to do the display board? Cause it, <laughs> it seemed like you, that was a big bite that you took kind of with whatever it was four days left or something. Yeah, it always it always was the plan, but to be honest, the plan was to do a two-level display board with one piece of terrain, and it turned into a five-level display board with s seven pieces of terrain. Um, but it was one of those things where, like, I really enjoy. That's probably my favorite part of this hobby is the display and basing part of things. Um, and I didn't want to build it because this army I have hopes and goals for it for like down the road and like actually highlighting and doing things to it to take it to that next level. Um, but I didn't want to make a display board that was just good enough. I wanted it to be the display board that I wanted it to be. And it was a little crazy. There was one day that I woke up four in the morning to airbrush for four hours before work. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean like the display board process really isn't that long. It's just like once you know the steps you need to take and the things you need to do, it's really like five steps and then you can dry brush a lot of it. So um, I knew I wanted to do the display board. I didn't think I'd do it to that level, but I'm very grateful that I did do it to that level, mostly because you've printed a bunch of stuff for me and I finally got to put paint on it. So. <laughs> Josh, any, uh, any questions or for the for the maestro? What was your favorite part about the whole thing? Being done. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, honestly, a little egotistical maybe, but my favorite part was, was seeing the reception that it got on the internet and the, the way that people liked it. Like I've always thought that it was cool, but seeing, you know, hundreds of other people think it's cool is always, is always a really rewarding feeling. Because, like Ty said, you know, it's a th we're creating something and it's passion for us. But knowing that other people think your passion and creativity is cool is is a super 
rewarding feeling. Um, so I think that definitely, without a doubt, was the was the best part of the whole project. Excellent. So I'm going to be that guy. Um, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a, a series of rapid fire questions, and then hopefully you can answer them. If you can't, I'm going to vote you off the hobby island. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first, wow. three pieces of, pieces of advice for anyone starting a similar like concept army. Um, you know, high rate of conversion, you know, paint, uh, being a, a focus of, of angling for a hobby award or for just something that gets, you know, the attention of people, three, three things go that they need to like consider. It's three things you need. To, it has to be something without a doubt that you have a passion for. Um, and I've kind of learned that through a lot of the things I've started and not finished. Like this one, I've always had the idea and why it's why it's a thing. And like people look at it and say, "Daughters of Cain and Sylvaneth, why why would you combine the two? But in my head, I have a story. Like for every single model and every single unit, I know why it's there. And and without that, I don't think there's any way I'd finish it. Like I have a a Skaven KO army that's in 20,000 pieces behind me that I'll probably never finish because I don't know why it's there. Um, so having having that drive and a reason for doing it, unless you don't care about that and you just want something that looks cool, but I don't think you'll finish something of this, not, not level as far as like painting or hobby, but just like level of time commitment if you don't have a passion for the thing you're doing. Um, a piece of advice as far as like the process uh limit your paint i mean like if 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 you go and then in any project really is just limit your paint i mean you guys can see i have way too much paint on the table next to me i we all probably do but if you stick to five ten fifteen max colors and and that's including shades and and all that stuff um you'll get things done if you start, you know, six paints to paint this cloak and then a wash and then four more paints. You're never going to finish that. Um, and then what was the last one? So just three things. So you said passion, oh, okay. you said like palette, and what's the third piece of advice for somebody trying to do this? It's got to be a P. It's got to be a P, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going to freeze uh, that note. Productivity. Uh, share it with your friends um, there's no <laughs> P there I'm sorry um, but have have people in your corner to help you get people, through it people people, yeah, people. passion yeah. passion palette people. People. people love it yeah All right. but make sure right make sure that you do because like I said without that I would have never never made it through those waking hours of the end <laughs> so what's next this army wrapped up i mean i know you said you've got more to do with it but it's wrapped up what <laughs> is next do i ha i mean i have the adepticon project but that's that's you know that's inevitable that's like thanos yeah, yeah so like what's next is obviously lumineth there that army uh, i i don't know if this is a statement that's actually true but i could see myself just having that army be it for a very very long time um it's hit every button for me and i there's still more to come 
it's going to be weird because I don't want to convert it. I just want to have it be what it is. But at the same time, maybe I will do it and then do it again <laughs> with conversions. I don't know. Um, but I do have one other project that I really want to do, and it's the corn ogres. And I, I have, it's just like the trees. I have like this vision in my head of exactly what I want it to be. So I, I do think at some point that I'd like to do those. I just don't know where that fits in the, the timeline of, of hobby. All right. And then the last rapid fire question, which isn't so rapid fire anymore. What did you win? What was the payoff? Because let's be <laughs> honest, if you aren't winning hobby rewards to put in your trophy case, what are you doing? What, it for? what are you doing it for? <laughs> so how'd that how'd that go for you at Holy Wars? Uh, so I, <laughs> it's not a secret. I've told a bunch of people. I I made a power move at Holy Wars, and <laughs> I set my army up right next to Vince's to to try to steal <laughs> the votes from Vince. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I truly was surprised that I got max painting points. There were there were two things that I know are wrong with it that I thought that Steve wouldn't be okay with, and uh, one is just the shafts of the weapons really aren't painted. They're 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 washed with a gray wash, and I didn't think I'd get points for that because every detail. But you know, I guess technically I put a lot of time into getting them to that gray, so maybe. Um, and then something with the bases went wrong, um, but I made it. So I with that at the top you know anyone that got full points so it was 10 people get to set up their armies in a specific row and then um, fan voting happens and i won fan favorite uh army at holy wars so that means that my peers appreciated what i did and it was pretty cool because you know i i think it's pretty clear that vince is really kind of a hero of mine and the things that he's done and the amount that he's put into sharing with people and helping teach and things like that. So to, to just have him come up to me and like say how good of a job I did and stuff like that, it's super rewarding, but just for everyone to be like, is that Marathi and Dreitcha in the same model <laughs> and stuff like that? Like it's just rewarding for people to think it's cool. Um, and to know, you know, there was super, super good stuff there and for people to pick mine as their favorite over, over all the other really good stuff is pretty cool that is awesome yep and you didn't have a bunch of clubmates there to stack the ballot boxes for you so i mean that's true yeah it was it was uh hard earned no collusion no (laughs) nothing you you got it done so congratulations thanks for kind of breaking down the process um i think you know it was was interesting though something that uh jake Lacour had asked you had asked on twitter about kind of the methodology and how that would make a cool segment so um you know we can we can definitely let jake know to dial in hour 30 of the podcast (laughs) where we (laughs) break it down but um i I think it was a cool idea just to kind of you know talk talk through the the process and the 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 journey and kind of some of the tips and tricks from uh, what is is quickly becoming a award-winning hobbyist, uh, as <laughs> I I see you on Discord, you know our listeners don't, but I, I see the dragons back. Oh, there. I did that for the rat cast last yeah, night. I know, I know, <laughs> I see it. I, like I was it. flexing. I had to make sure they fit right between yeah. the flex. So. <laughs> um, so very very cool. Um, 
any any final points on on Holy Wars, the journey, anything we left out from the discussion before we kind of bring this uh, bring this home? The last the last thing is just just try to do the stuff, right? If you want to if you want to have something that's cool, it it takes time and it takes practice. And the armies I paint now are way better than the armies I painted three years ago. But I wouldn't be to where I'm at today if I didn't just try to do it mm-hmm. and use your resources and just try it. Like you're gonna mess things up. Everyone messes things up, and then you'll figure it out, and it'll look awesome. I think. I think what we should do, and this this would be kind of fun, is take a model from like the first thing you painted, you know, in the hobby, or for me, like when I got back into it with AOS. That's really the first time I had painted in several years. So if I take one of my models from that first Adepticon, like list that I had. And I put it up to something that I just did for like my Havoc Warlord or, you know, I put it up to some, I think we should each kind of look to do something from like, you know, Let's five do years that. ago. Let's do that with Adepticon. Now, yeah. I want to put my, my first ever Dark Rider next to my Zombie Dragon. Yeah, absolutely. That, that will be a plan. We'll do kind of a comparison. Um, cause I joked in another group chat about the new tech list, you know, and the old tech list, my old tech list is junk, but I had them like in a list. And so I almost have to do the new tech list just to like, <laughs> look yeah. at how tech list yeah. is, has advanced himself. He looks so much yeah. nicer here, <laughs> but, um, I bought tech list bands today, by the way. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Hammer time. <clears throat> All right. So. Usually, this is where I would say, here's what's coming up. But a while back, we talked about some New Year's resolutions. And we talked about some some big news. And we talked about this tournament that takes place in the middle of nowhere and how it was ending. And then, you know, Bryce was swooping in to save the day. Bryce, I understand there may be some news that you have about a future event coming to Wisconsin. There, there is one word that that is ready to be said, and I think anyone that knows me pretty well knows I love two things more than maybe anything, and that is my dog and Thor. And if you think about that and what's happening here, uh, the event coming to the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, in 2021 will be from here on known as... Ragnarok. This is where we cue yeah. dramatic music. Yeah, yeah. I hope John. Everybody <laughs> listening. Everybody we'll listening. Make, we'll make something in us. there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ragnarok. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be. It's gonna be yeah. epic. As as anything named Ragnarok yeah. has to be. Now, like you've you've you're pot committed to yeah. legendary. Yeah. You know. Cataclysm of, of hobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A cataclysm of hobby is going to happen. So, all right. Now I am comfortable getting into what is coming up in the near future and wrapping up the episode. So, um, first off, you know, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Bryce, for your time. Thank you, Steve Herner, for putting on Holy Wars events to, to continue to motivate and drive people to go above and beyond uh, in, in our hobby. Um, Looking forward to some upcoming events as well. Adepticon, March 25th through the 29th. Uh, We will be doing our big Adepticon preview as our next episode, talking about what we're getting into, what we hope to see there. 
um, may or may not, you know, try to get a brief interview from uh, the home ice uh, guys at Anvil 8 or, or some others. We'll see. Um, but that is coming up. We're all kind of focused on our, our hobby progress for that event. Um, then in April, there will be Brew City Brawl. Uh, this year it is 2,500 points. Um, so it's bigger, better, um, and uh, bold, bolder, bigger, better, bolder. Mm-hmm. Brew City Brawl. Yeah, um, that feels feels right. Yeah, yeah, that feels that feels right. And then there's probably some stuff in May and June, but that's about as far out as we're looking right, right now. Is it Death to Come and Brew City? Um, so continue to to obviously listen to us uh, off of iTunes or anywhere. But um, it's been a while since we got a review. I would love if somebody new uh, went out there and and said who their favorite host was. And why in a five-star review, Josh, uh, <laughs> um, hit us up on Facebook, uh, cause we still haven't decommissioned our Facebook, even though we only have 36 people on it following, uh, hit us up on Twitter though. Twitter is continuing to pick up one new follower every four weeks, um, <laughs> website basement for all of the awesome show notes. Um, and you can also listen to the episodes there. Uh, they get, yep. they get posted, hosted, and boasted, toasted, roasted. I'm just rhyming now. This is fun. <laughs> I think Josh is falling asleep, so I'm going to bring this home. Emails. You all know our emails. Just, you know, write us if you got questions or something, or don't, because nobody does. It's been real. It's been a great episode. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you. And keep the dice rolling. The drink's on ice. And no matter what, keep playing and slaying. Two-hour preview at Adepticon, by the way. Yep. Crazy. I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah, me too. Be like 45 minutes of 40K. Shake me when it's over. <laughs> oh, we should. What? We should just sit up front and like actually pretend we're sleeping through the 40K announcement. <laughs> Guys won't be able to. It's going to be so exciting. <laughs> what could they possibly tell us? We're getting a new edition again. Yep. 41K is coming. 41st millennium. Mm-hmm. Stop. We're going to start playing um, a new game called Primarch, and it's just a 1v1 miniature battle game in which you paint your Primarch, and then the other person paints their Primarch, and you put them on a table across. Oh, yeah, you leave them gray. It's 40K. Yep, you leave them gray, (laughs) and you put them on the table across from one another. You roll a dice, and the highest dice roll wins unless the other person has bought extra points worth of war gear and made a really complicated list for their primark and then your primark gets a reroll on the armor saving throw if the toughness is higher than the strength but if the strength is lower than the toughness and you're more than three inches away you don't get to reroll your armor save unless it's a grav gun in which case you have relentless and whatever and three more special rules and we're back in seventh edition
That's the new version that they redid. Forest Forge World redid. So Norris Heresy. I can't believe you just spoiled the whole thing. Uh, but then remember when Fulgrim um, kills. Here it comes. <laughs> And then he's not actually dead, so he kills him again. Yep. Do you remember that part? Yep. Yeah, because I remember when you spoiler. told me before I read the book. Yeah. It's not It's so, not a spoiler. It's 40K history. You can't say spoiler after you say it. It's not a spoiler. If it like happens and like, the Emperor kills Horus. I just spoiled the whole Horus heresy for everyone. Oh, jeez. But it's your heresy. Robot Gilliam.